vamos a conversar y darle la bienvenida a nuestro invitado en la noche de hoy como parte de la celebración del mes de la herencia hispana. Let us welcome my guest tonight as part of the celebration of the heritage, uh, Hispanic Heritage Month celebration. Wilson Valentin Escobar, he is a professor of sociology, ethnic studies, and American studies at Hampshire College, and he is also the co-curator of Presente, the Young Lords in New York at the Loisaida Incorporated Center in New York City. Welcome, Wilson. Thank you so much for being here with me. How are you tonight? Good, good. Thank you for having me, Raquel. It's a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. I know that we are all here for a treat. Uh, we are going to talk about the young lords, and that you. I had mentioned to you that before I spoke with you, I had, n I knew nothing about this organization, and you gave me so much information that I thought it would be great to share it with our listeners. So, tell me first, uh, who were the young lords? Well, the Young Lords uh, was originally a uh, an organization um, that was a gang, a street gang in the city of Chicago, um, and they uh, started in the late '50s um, and evolved to becoming much more concerned about social issues. Um, and they had a strong affiliation with the Black Panther Party. In, in that city as well. And they were influenced by the Black Panthers and their activism that they were doing. And so they undertook certain civil rights initiatives um, in the city. And they, were they had inspired a number of youth in New York City um, at the time. And so around 19, in the late 60s, this cadre of youth <clears throat> that traveled from New York City met with the folks there in Chicago and got the permission to start the New York City chapter of the Young Lords. Uh, and that's the basic, the, the basis of the exhibit is to illuminate and share with the public what the New York chapter of the Young Lords did, the type of activism that they undertook as a civil rights organization. Um, and so they they undertook a variety of different things, um, initiatives such as uh, health, health activism, uh, housing, um, uh, a big e education as well. Um, and what we emphasize specifically um, at the Lois Silas Center, as you had opened up the show, we are one of three uh, centers um, in New York City hosting this exhibit. Um, So it's the Loisada Center, the Bronx Museum of the Arts, as well as the Museo del Barrio. And each show represents a different aspect of the organization and the different things that they undertook. Let me back up a little bit, Wilson. Uh, the young lords, were they uh, mostly of Latino descent? or What can you tell us about their roots? Yeah, mostly Latino, but it was a multi-ethnic organization. Um, and so in New York City, um, they mostly consisted of Puerto Ricans, but there were lots of Asian Americans and African Americans as, as part of the membership. Mm -hmm. So they started in Chicago and then they expanded and they 
it, it came to New York also, is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, it, I would say that, I wouldn't say it was this, you know, basically there was a, a team of college students um, uh-huh. from New York City, uh, working class, first generation college students who were already <clears throat> part of various student organizations there and they were being politicized, they were reading, um, and they were understanding and, and, and gaining access to their own history. So they were reading uh, in, um, so they were, I guess, doing tetulias in a sense, right? T- talking, participating in conversations mm-hmm. um, with other college students, uh, other Latino college students, and they wanted to learn because obviously, you know, Puerto Rican history, Latino history was absent in the curriculum. And so they they were beginning this political consciousness, this cultural awareness, and they had learned and read about what was going on in Chicago. So this cadre of youth, um, got, you know, they went over, they, they visited Chicago and spoke mm-hmm. to the founder, Jose Chacha Jimenez, um, got the permission to start a New York City chapter. Uh, and that's when it started. I see. Okay, so it, um, it actually it it grew, it expanded, mm-hmm. and um, you said that uh, they were um, fighting for social justice. What is it that they wanted to get specifically, and uh, you know, as as a means to get this uh, to achieve this social justice? How active were they? What were they doing? Were they doing? Um, I don't know, demonstrations, um, gatherings, or were they uh, participating in schools? What? How did they work? Well, there's a number of different things, right? Um, so for, for me to answer that question, a lot of their activism was very site-specific. So it varied, meaning that some of the initiatives that they undertook were, were influenced by the specific locations where they were at. Mm-hmm. So in the context of New York City, and I should say that there were chapters throughout the states, uh, in Connecticut, in Massachusetts, uh-huh. in New Jersey, um, but given that New York City is such a big city, um, a lot of the media attention was placed onto the activism that was taking place there. But it's important to note that if it wasn't for the Chicago Lords and what they undertook and what they did, as well as what they accomplished, there would be no chapters existing anywhere else. So that's really important to note. Um, so some of the initiatives that they undertook were breakfast programs. So they modeled themselves after the Black Panther Party, both as in the sort of services that they provided as well as in the structure. So they were a paramilitary organization that was a central committee and that central committee sort of dictated this, the different things that the organization overall would undertake, meaning within the context of New York City. So there were three locations, one in the Bronx, one in El Barrio, the Upper East Side, and then one in the, low, in the Lower East Side. And those three locations also correspond to the three different locations for the exhibit. So that's, that's an important I thing. See. Yeah. So in the Lower East Side, or what we, what we say is Lower East Side, because they sort of, um, Bimbo Rivas, uh, who's an activist in the Lower East Side, he comes up with the term Lower East Side, rather than spelling out the three words Lower East Side, they sort of squished the terms together and came up with Loisaida. So in Loisaida, in that community, they undertook, the first thing they undertook, one of the first initiatives was around housing, 
um, because there was gentrification taking place as early as, as the 1960s, mm. you know. Yeah. And that was a long-time struggle around housing. And then they, the second thing they undertook was, um, was health. Uh, so they collaborated with some professional health workers. It's called the Health Revolutionary Unity Movement, HRUM. And there was these radical, uh, I would say radical or progressive uh, nurses and doctors who wanted to provide better, better health care to the community. And they saw that there was a disparity in how certain members of that community in the Lower East Side, and, and, and when they would go into the hospital, there was a variation in the sort of health care that they would receive. So those were the two. What we also emphasize at the Lois Silas Center is the cultural activism that they help to provoke. Um, so those are, those are some of the three components, as well as issues of gender and sexuality that go really unspoken um, uh, for uh, a, a, you know, an organization at the time that was based on a paramilitary structure. There weren't too many organizations that were... Um, addressing issues of women and gender and sexuality. So that's very progressive for that moment. We're talking about in 1969, they started, um, the New York City chapter begins in July, 20, July 26, 1969. Not too many uh, organizations were being able to engage in what's called intersectional analysis, meaning really bringing different components of uh, issues of identity and social issues into one umbrella organization and try to fuse them together to address uh, a social inequality, social injustice. And they were able to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, my guest tonight is uh, Wilson Valentin Escobar. He's professor of sociology, ethnic studies, and American studies at Hampshire College and co-curator of Presente, the Young Lords in New York at Loisaida Incorporated Center in New York City. Uh, Wilson, you were saying that they were one of the first organizations for back, back then, uh, early 70s, to work uh, with women and to talk about also gender mm -hmm. uh, issues. Can you expand on that a little bit, please? Sure. Um, I, and I should note that um, there is some great scholars who, who write about this. Um, you know, one is Daryl Wenger Serrano, who just did a New York City tour with his book, The New York Young Lords and the Struggle for Liberation. Uh, the book was just published a couple of months ago. Um, and it's a fabulous book, and it's one of the first books to to really uh, devote um, a really deeper analysis around the New York chapter of the Lords. Um, and we have a handful of articles available, and so that I, I, this is the stuff that I teach. This is, and the students love it. Um, so, um, well, one of the things that we talk about in reference to your question is at the Louis Silas Center, uh, we emphasize the, the significance of Silvia Rivera. Now, Silvia Rivera was a transgender activist, and she, was, uh, she had participated in the Stonewall Riot of 1969. And uh, she's a, she develops into a very important transgender activist in, this, in the city. Um, what many people do not know is that she was also a member of the Young Lords. Right, so, um, and the fact that the, that the central committee of the organization made it a priority to support her activism 
as a transgender activist is speaks volumes because at the time there were no other organization that where the central committee was saying you know gender activism in in this way is very important for us um, so especially transgender activism uh, that's that's very very important in that regard so she found a home with the young lords and it speaks to how how the young lords were trying to address their internal issues around homophobia um, uh, gender inequality uh, as well as you know on a related issue issues of racism so those are three really um, important issues that coalesced uh, together but in reference to your question, um, they definitely supported uh, Silvia Rivera's activism. And Silvia Rivera was a resident of the, of the Lower East Side. Um, and now there's a movie about Stonewall that's appearing in theaters. And uh, there's, a, there's a concern that there's sort of what's called the whitewashing of that story, of the narrative. Um, and uh, what we do, you know, I think is sort of really emphasize a different story of Stonewall by really emphasizing her activism. Mm -hmm. Son las ocho y treinta de la noche. Está usted en sintonía de tertulia. Uh, Wilson, did um, uh, this group, the Young Lords, um, I'm sure they influenced uh, many people in many areas. Any influence in music by any chance? Yeah, that's, that's, they were, yeah, they, when that's, that, overlaps with my research um, with my book um, so um, and I think that overall not only in music but in, in cultural expression creative expression overall um, what I write about is a, a former young lord um, who was also resident of the Lower East Side his name is Eddie Figueroa and Eddie Figueroa, in 1976, started a nonprofit cultural arts center called the, the New Rican Village. And the New Rican Village was a multidisciplinary art space uh, that gathered different artists, like visual artists, uh, actors, um, poets, um, musicians, dancers, so on and so forth. And they would gather. Um, but it, was, it became somewhat, you know, for some, for some public um, audience members, the New Rican Village was largely associated with music. Um, and so uh, some premier uh, musicians and bands would perform there. Now the thing is, is that this place was more of a laboratory. It, people would, musicians would go there to hone their skills and, and como dicen en español, descargar, you yeah. know, they would just jam. So um, it wasn't that they were just polishing, but they were trying to refine their ideas. So it was very avant-garde in that they were exploring new avenues, music, new musical avenues, and so pushing the aesthetic envelope, as I like to say. So, um, you know, uh, Jerry Gonzalez and the Fort Apache Band came out of the New Rican really? Village. Oh, had no idea. Yeah, Grupo Folklorico Experimental Nuevo Yorkino came out of there, New wow. Rican Village. So, and Conjunto Libre as an ensemble, yeah. though they started prior to 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 the that cultural center opening, um, but they really sort of flourished. They really honed themselves. They honed their sound, and so what what they did was. It sort of helped to promote you, what Eddie Figueroa did was to really bring together some of the skills that he learned as a young lord 
At, and then he was also a theater student at New York University at NYU. And he fused them together to really implement this nonprofit cultural arts center. And it was a form of resistance against commercialism as that commercialism was really exploiting the artists and that they wanted to create this space where the artists weren't always so concerned about really money, but really their craft and, ex and experiment their craft and also as a multidisciplinary space. It allowed artists from various genres to talk with each other. So a painter now is talking to a musician, a musician is talking to a poet, the poet is now talking to the dancer, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So it was a very dynamic synergy that took place within the center. And from that, I argue, is that it helped to cr it helped to influence a new way of making music. So, for example, the Jerry Gonzalez and the Fort Apache Band, mm -hmm. they departed, uh, to answer your specific question, they departed from the formula of Latin jazz as, as sort of the big mambo sound, you know. Mm -hmm. So they departed from that. It was more like jazz and rumba sort of fused together. Um, and they sort of set a new sort of a new foundation for making Latin jazz music. Um, and they still are recognized as very pivotal. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Right. And highly respected in, in that regard. So, and then there's the salsa. You know, if you if you listen to musicians like Eddie Palmieri and his stance on social justice, you know, he's saying that he was influenced by Bob Bianco, who was one of his teachers. But I'm also arguing that Eddie Palmieri was influenced by the larger synergy of the time that the that the young lords helped to foster the el ambiente the environment that that pushed for social justice and cultural affirmation and that's what Eddie Palmieri did Ray Barreto Many um, Oquendo Libre at the time they were called Conjunto Libre. You had a had a wide variety of different um, uh, musicians and and ensembles that really pushed social justice uh, on the forefront of their message. Hmm. Uh, Wilson, have you published a book? Um, no, I'm public. I'm writing the book now, You're writing the book now, and I'm I'm hoping and praying that the book is released uh, next year. It's being published by New York University Press. What's the name of the book? The title at the moment is is uh, Bodega Surrealism: uh, uh, Latino Latino Artivists in New York City. Ah, so you project it to be out next year? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm finishing it up right yeah. now. You have to come back and talk to us about oh, the book. Oh, I would love to. If you invite me, I, I, I'll return. And I used to do radio years ago back in uh, graduate school when I was at the University of Michigan. So it's it's really nice to be back on radio. Awesome. Great, great, great. <laughs> Estamos conversando con Wilson Valentín Escobar, profesor de Sociología, Estudios Étnicos y Estudios Americanos en Hampshire College. Y co-curador también de la exhibición presente de Young Lords in New York at Loisaita. Incorporated Center. Sí, bueno, vamos avanzando ya casi con el tiempo, no nos queda tanto tiempo, pero quisiera preguntarte, uh, oh, let me switch back to English. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, would, no. <laughs> I would like to ask you uh, about this uh, exhibit, uh, this um, work that is being presented uh, at the Loisaida Incorporated Center. Tell me what does it have? Uh, Walk me through uh, the exhibit. Great. Ex that's a great question. And before I answer it, I just want to tell the listeners that um, the show is on through December 5th. It's been extended. Originally, it was just going to go through October 10th, um, but the, it's been so popular that we've had to extend it. Um, El Museo del Barrio is also extending it, I believe, to December 12th. 
Um, and then uh, the Bronx Museum, I believe it ends on October 18th. So at the Lori Silas Center, the first thing, um, I'll try to say this briefly, this, it, it consists of, of an installation piece by this incredible artist, multidisciplinary artist, his name is Adrian Viajero Roman. Um, that's an opening piece that's made of different materials, wood, paper, um, I mean, I, um, there's music involved. Uh, uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a specially commissioned piece that serves as a prologue that really synthesizes a lot of the themes of the rest of the exhibit, like issues of social justice, housing, race. Race becomes very important because there's a lot of internal racism in the community. So it was an, an affirmation of black, being black and Puerto Rican, being black Puerto Rican. Uh, so there's a theme that in that. There's the theme of um, uh, the Puerto Rican embassy project, uh, the passport um, project as part of the Puerto Rican embassy. So there's a lot of visual references in his work um, there and a lot of different materials that are used. Then we go into um, Iram Maristani, who was the official photographer for the Young Lords. We've got four photographs of his. Uh, and the first one features the sort of the, the, the Young Lords announcement that took place on July 26, 1969 at the Tompkins Square Park. So there's a photograph of that, and there's three other photographs that follow. Uh, and then the other, um, the other uh, photographer that's, that's heavily featured in the show is Maximo Colon. And Maximo Colon, I mean, he's, I think there are about 40 photographs of his in the show. Um, and he really captures sort of the everyday, what we call in the show, the visible loisaida, you know, sort of the everyday ways in which members of the Loisaida community, uh, Latinos specifically, have came out in public to celebrate their their ethnicity, their ethnic identity. So he captures that through through his beautiful black and white photography. Then we also have an installation piece made out of wood that's an homage to this and to this um, architect. His name is R. Bunkminster Fuller. Um, he's actually a native of Massachusetts and taught in Illinois. Um, it's 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 a geodesic dome, and it was a it's a dome that became another form of alternative housing, as well as cultural centers, and they would exist in the empty lots in the Lower East Side. That's the important thing to keep in mind that in the Lower East Side at this time in the '60s and '70s, there were so many abandoned buildings, and so um, you'd have all these empty lots mm. throughout. And so that's where they would stage these geodesic domes where people can gather um, and sometimes squatter there, um, but also gather as a cultural institution and celebrate culture. Um, and then there's another room which represents the final portion of the exhibit, and that's called institution building. Um, and that, build, that whole room is devoted to the New Rican Village and really emphasizes uh, the sort of work, uh, the artwork that came out of, uh, uh, out of that cultural arts center uh, that was started by Eddie Figueroa. And it really highlights some wonderful posters by members of Taye Boricua, like Nestor Otero, um, and then Sandra Maria Estevez, who is both a poet, very prolific poet, as well as an amazing graphic artist. So it shows posters 
by them. And then uh, photographs and videos as well of... Um, we conducted oral history interviews with members of the Young Lords Party, so we highlight those interviews as well. Through actually throughout the exhibition, not simply only in the New Regan Village Room, um, and then we have um, within the New Regan Village we have a section called um, at Puerto Rican Embassy, which really talks about how at Puerto Rican Embassy as an art project was conceived of by Eddie Figueroa and influenced by another poet, Pedro Pietri. Um, very influential poet of the New Yorican poetry scene, um, and sort of, and then Adal, who's uh, another artist, he really takes the concept of the Puerto Rican Embassy project um, and takes it to another level, um, and to create these mock institutions that that really address issues of colonialism, um, and so, you know, Puerto Rico has been a colony uh, since 1898. Um, and um, a couple of years later, you have the, you know, Puerto Ricans became um, U.S. citizens, not by choice. So, um, so uh, that's why the Puerto Rican embassy, you know, as it's not an independent state, so you can't have its own in the, its own embassy. So that's that's sort of that's the what they're trying to address as artists. So. Very yeah. good, very good. Uh, what do you say if you invite uh, our listeners to visit this exhibit? Why don't we tell them the address uh, of the place? Oh, so the Loisaila Center is on is on 710 East 9th Street, and that's between Avenue C and D in New York City, in Manhattan. Um, the, the visiting hours are um, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 11 to 8 p.m., and Saturdays from noon to four. Um, the other days of the week, they people can visit, but they have to call and schedule an appointment for a, a tour. Very good, excellent. It has been a pleasure to have you here uh, with me, and we have learned a lot about the young lords. So thank you very much, Wilson. I appreciate it. Gracias, Raquel, for having me. I appreciate yeah, it. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you, and we'll have to have you soon here. Remember, as soon as your book comes out. All right, thank very you. And I look forward to it. Thank you. Same here. Thank you very much. My guest tonight was Wilson Valentin Escobar, professor of sociology, ethnic studies, and American studies at Hampshire College and co-curator of Presente, the Young Lords in New York at the Loisaida Incorporated Center, 710 East 9th Street, New York City. And remember that this exhibit is open through December 5th. Está usted en sintonía de Tertulia con ustedes hasta las 10 de la noche, trayéndoles siempre gran información. <laughs>